0: Our scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw him, for we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. and going into the house they saw the child with mary his mother and they fell down and worshiped him then opening their treasures they op- they offered him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh and they and being warned in a dream not to return to herod they departed to their own country by another way
1: let's pray Father, as we've uh, have mentioned several times this morning, ab, uh, Advent is really a time of of expectancy, and it's a time of anticipation uh, where we look forward to many things, uh, both physical and spiritual. But Father, we think of that whenever we encounter Your Word, Father, because we come to it with expectancy, understanding that uh, it's not just an ordinary book, but it's a book written by You, by Your. It contains Your very breath, Your breathed-out word, and you promise that your spirit comes with us uh, to speak to our hearts. So we pray for your spirit to come. We pray with expectant hearts that we can hear your voice here this morning. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, this week, a, uh, a story uh, I, I heard about on the news was a refreshing change to uh, a lot of the sad stories that we're hearing uh, on the news lately. And it was a story that came uh, out of Halifax, uh, Nova Scotia, and it was uh, a story about something that was interesting happening in the city. Uh, People began to notice that on all of the lampposts uh, throughout the city, there were winter gloves and hats that were being hung on the lampposts. Uh, you would walk down the street and you'd look at the lampposts and you'd see hats and scarves and mittens and uh, winter coats, uh, all placed in strategic uh, locations. And if you went up really close to each one of the lampposts, you could see that on all of these clothes, there was a little note attached. And the notes read this, I am not lost. If you are stuck out in the cold, please take me to keep warm. The, the officials at uh, the city did some digging. They tried to figure out kind of what was going on and why all these hats and clothes were appearing all over the place. And they found out that the one responsible was a seven-year-old little girl whose name was Jada Atkins. A few weeks before, Jada had gotten all her friends together, all her seven-year-old friends, and said, let's start gathering uh, hats and scarves and gloves and coats And take them into the city and just hang them up onto lampposts for people uh, that are in need. So she got all her friends together. They did this and they went into the city. On uh, a Sunday afternoon, they put up hats and coats on all the lampposts. And then by the next day, by the next morning, all of those hats were taken by people who were in need. The initiative uh, sprung out of this little girl's heart, out of this kind of earnest desire in this little girl's heart to give of herself to those people who were in need. You know, the, the Christmas season really is a season that is all about giving. Gift-giving has been a part of our cultural traditions that have been attached to this holiday for centuries. For, for year after year, families and friends will gather together on Christmas morning or gather together uh, in Christmas parties all throughout the season, and they'll do a very simple thing. They will exchange gifts with one another. And this Advent season is going to be no different. Maybe you've kind of sat down and started compiling your list of all the the gifts that you want to give to people in your life that you want to communicate love and affection to. And what I'd like to do this Advent season as we go through the season is to look at things like gift-gifting. Look at little kind of cultural traditions, the simple traditions that we do every year during the holiday season and then recast them in the light of, of the gospel story. And I think what we'll see is that how often what we do culturally, the kind of cultural stories we tell or the, the everyday customs and practices that we engage in, that those things really become echoes or shadows of the great gospel story. And this morning, what I'd like to do is to look at this idea of gift giving and to look at it in light of the gospel story and to see how what we do reflects the ultimate redemptive gift that we get in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So, gift giving is a popular part of our culture. We do it every day, not just at Christmas time. Uh, Many of you know that Beck and I just had uh, a child two months ago, and uh, after we had this child, we were showered with gifts. We were showered with people bringing bringing over meals. Our our, our freezer couldn't hold uh, all the meals that we were given, and people were giving outfits and gifts and all over the place, and they were trying to kind of shower these things on us to to really celebrate this thing uh, that had just happened to our family. So we give gifts when babies are born. We give gifts at birthdays and anniversaries. We give congratulatory gifts for graduations and job promotions. We give gifts of thanks. We give uh, gifts that honor people. We give gifts also in times of sorrow and in times of great need. Gift giving really is a a huge part of our culture and what we do, it seems to be written into the very fabric of our customs, written into the very fabric of who we are as people, and of course, it is a very large part of the Christmas season. In fact, one of the icons of uh, the Christmas season is this kind of large, mysterious man we call Santa Claus, who does what. He comes down chimneys and gives gifts. The the character of Santa Claus has really kind of uh, evolved over the years, of course. But really, it has its roots in the fourth century uh, by a bishop named St. Nicholas, who was a bishop in Asia Minor. And he, uh, he was born to very wealthy parents who sadly died when he was very young, leaving uh, St. Nick to have uh, incredible wealth at a very young age. So one of his favorite things to do was to give that wealth away in anonymous ways to people that were in need. And one of the legends that goes with St. Nick is he wanted to do it very anonymously so he would tie up money in a bag and he would drop it down chimneys into people's homes who he had identified as being people in need. In fact, uh, many people believe that uh, in one of those homes that he dropped a sack of money into, the family just happened to be hanging their socks on the mantle to dry over the fire, and where does that sack of money fall? It fell into the sock, and that is the roots of the custom that we even have today of putting stockings up on a mantle. It is all because of this idea of gift-giving. Now, the Advent season starts today, and that's a part of the liturgical calendar or the church calendar where we begin to look forward to the advent of Christmas Day, where we begin to look forward to the birth of Jesus Christ. It's a season of anticipation and expectancy that we talked about before, and I know at least for my kids, it's a season where they are anticipating and expecting to receive gifts on Christmas morning. Now, sometimes my wife and I get really concerned about that. Are they becoming too concerned about gift giving? And uh, we can rail at how uh, materialistic our culture has become, and we get reminded of that every year on Black Friday about how this has grown into something that we become very uncomfortable with. But the reality is that gift-giving can be a very beautiful thing. And at the same time, it can often become a very sacred thing that we engage in as well. Christmas itself has become synonymous with this idea of giving, with using our resources to bless, honor, and share our affections with other people. And even that very first Christmas story is ultimately a story about gift giving We read uh, the passage this morning about several uh, magi who traveled a considerable distance in order to give gifts to Mary and Joseph and Jesus. These were gifts of worship. We don't know much about these men in fact we're we're pretty sure that they weren't kings. Not to ruin the song, but we're pretty sure that they weren't kings and we're pretty sure that there was more than just three of them. The reality is they were probably astrologers or or people who studied the stars. Some people think they were philosophers, but for whatever reason, they studied the stars and those stars brought them to Bethlehem and Judea. Where they met with Herod. Herod was a puppet king of the Roman Empire. He was kind of a fanatical character. We'll hear about him next week. And the minute these wise men entered his presence, it cast him into fear. He was fearful that a new king had come who would supplant him in his authority. He was fearful of losing his power. But of course, as we know through the story, they end up finding Jesus. These wise men find Jesus. And they immediately knew that this King Jesus was the actual true King. They knew this despite the fact that he had to appear to be a very unlikely King. He was different than any other King that had ever been born before in that he was not sitting on a throne, but he was born to a poor couple in a town that had no substance whatsoever. But despite all that, they brought him extravagant gifts. They brought him myrrh, which was uh, used as an anointing oil. They brought him frankincense, which was a, a perfume in the ancient culture. And they brought him gold, which was just as valuable in the ancient culture as it is in our culture today. These were gifts that were typically given to kings. They were objects of of loyalty, objects of obedience, and even objects of worship. And you have to wonder what Mary and Joseph were thinking in this moment. Mary and Joseph, uh, a poor teenage couple, they had never seen such precious possessions, and yet these gifts, which were fit for a king, were given to this poor and unlikely family. And now you and I, thousands of years later, will give gifts to one another as an expression of our affection. All are shadows. They are echoes of the great story of the gospel, which ultimately is itself a story about giving. Jesus says something really pointed uh, in Matthew 7 verse 11. He says this he said if then you who are evil Jesus doesn't mince words he says if if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him What is Jesus saying here He's saying that God the Father is in heaven eagerly desiring to give you and I good gifts to give you and i good things and there are general things that that he gives to all of humanity he gives all of us the gift of life he gives us the gift of nature he gives us the the beauty of of sunrises and the beauty of a clear starry night he gives us the gifts of love and companionship he gives us moments of, of joy and happiness. He gives gifts to all of humanity. But Christmas is, lo- is about looking at the special gifts that he gives us, the special gifts that he gives us at Christmas time. And that gift is the gift of himself, it's the gift of Emmanuel, the gift of God who is with us. And what the Christmas story tells us is that in a relationship with Jesus Christ, when we enter by faith into a relationship with Jesus Christ, a saving relationship, he gives us these special gifts. And the first thing that the Christmas story tells us, it gives us the gift of his birth. You see, the gospel story tells us that Jesus's birth was not just an ordinary birth. It was actually the arrival of Of a new king who came to establish a new kingdom. It was the fullness of heaven and the fullness of earth. It was the fullness of humanity and the fullness of deity meeting together in one little baby boy. It was the gift of of a God who would grow up and experience humanity just like you and I do. A God who is acquainted with the struggles that you and I go through because he himself went through them. It was the gift of one who was not just a prophet, not just a priest or just a king, but one who was all three of those things wrapped into one person. His birth was the gift of our rescue. It was God making good on his promises to return and begin making right all that had gone wrong in this world. Ronald uh, Rollheiser uh, wrote a, an interesting story about this uh, in light of kids. He writes this about what it means uh, for God to come in the form of a baby. He tells a story about a four-year-old child who woke up one night frightened, convinced that the darkness around her there was full of all kinds of spooks and monsters. Alone, she ran to her parents' bedroom and her mother calmed her down, taking her by the hand and led her back to the room where she put on a light and reassured the child with these words, "'You needn't be afraid,' you are not alone here. God is in the room with you. The child replied, I know that God is here, but I need someone in this room who has some skin on. What she realized in that moment is that we all have a deep desire and a deep need to serve and worship a God who's got skin on. And what the Christmas story tells us is that God is not some God who's sitting up in heaven aloof and unacquainted with life as we know it, but he is one who took skin on, who took on flesh to become one of us, to become like you and I, so that he could rescue us from our greatest need. He was a God with skin on. But at Christmas, we don't just receive the the special gift of his birth, but we also look forward. We look forward to the gift that is his death on our behalf as well. You see, what the Magi gave to Jesus would have been very surprising to Mary and Joseph, not just because they were gifts that were fit for a king, but also because they were gifts that in some ways prefigured that this was a king who was born to die. The gospel story tells us that God gave us the gift of his very own death. You see, the penalty of of sin and rebellion that you and I all deserve before a holy God is a penalty of death. It is physical death and spiritual death that each one of us deserve because of our sin. We have not held up to our part of the bargain, to our part of the covenant. We've broken God's law, and because of that, we deserve cosmic judgment from an holy God. But what the gospel story tells us is that instead, Jesus came and took that punishment. He became our substitute. He bore the wrath of God for sin and rebellion and unrighteousness on our behalf. He took the punishment that we deserved. We deserved the we deserved death, but instead he came to bring us life. Being a parent, uh, one of the things that uh, i 've rediscovered is the value and uh, the beauty of children's stories. In some ways, children's stories uh, say the most profound things in the most simplest ways. And uh, one of my favorite children's stories that I love to read to my kids is a story called The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein. I think I'm saying that right. But The, the, the Giving Tree is a story about a little boy and a tree, and uh, this little boy loved this tree, and this tree loved this little boy. Uh, the, the boy played underneath the branches of this tree day in and day out. He would climb the tree's branches, and he would eat the apples that came from the tree. He would sleep in the tree's uh, shade. And as the book goes on, the boy gets older. And as the boy gets older, the tree keeps giving gifts to this boy. He keeps giving gifts until he has nothing left to give. And even at the very end of the story, the tree gives of itself entirely and is happy in the giving because he so loves that little boy. And every time I read that story, I can't help but think of Jesus Christ and the gifts that he gives us. He was one who so loved us that he willingly gave everything about himself so that we could be in a relationship with him. Even in his death, he gives us a gift. Not just the gift of his birth, not just the gift of his death, but he keeps on giving us gifts. Jesus talked about when he was here on this earth that it would be beneficial for him to return back to the Father because in his place he was going to send us the gift of his spirit. And that spirit means that Jesus' presence is ongoing. He gives us this spirit that breathes life into our souls. And this spirit never leaves us. It never withdraws its presence from us. It's never repulsed by our weakness or gives up on us. You see, Jesus didn't just give us his life, but because of his resurrection and the gift of his Holy Spirit, he promises his faithful presence in our lives to the end. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He gives us the gift of his birth, the gift of his death, the gift of his spirit, but even that isn't all that he gives us. If we are his children, his gifts keep on coming. He's given us forgiveness for even the most heinous and awful things that we have committed with our lives. He gives us grace that is unending. He gives us confident access to God the Father, He's given us all the blessings of God as if we had perfectly obeyed all of his commandments. He's given us the goodness and righteousness of Jesus Christ. He's given us the promise of an eternal state where we are somehow rewarded for the deeds that we do in this life. He has given us the bliss of heaven to look forward to, a state that is beyond our wildest imagination. It is eternal gifts rolled out to us forever and ever from God who is our Father. He's given us the gift of predestination, the gift of being chosen, the gift of being justified and sanctified and adopted. All these are gifts that God gives us out of his grace. He stands ready to abundantly bless us beyond what you, can, what you and I can imagine with his good gifts. But sadly, so often we look to God and we only want the gifts and not the giver. Imagine for a second that we divorced all of the gifts that we give to one another from the heart and affection that stands behind them. If we divorced the gifts from the giver, think about how hollow those gifts would be if we divorced them from the sentiment That is behind them. You see, gift giving and gift receiving isn't just about getting stuff. It's about the heart and the affection that stands behind that stuff. And what all these gifts are that God gives us are not just gifts for the sake of being gifts, they are gifts as a token, gifts as a sentiment, gifts of God's passionate affection for you and for me. They are gifts of his unending and abundant love for you and I. You see, our God is a gift-giving God. And all these things are made possible by the ultimate gift that he gave us in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection. T.S. Eliot uh, wrote a poem about the wise men, about the magi. And the poem is called The Journey of the Magi. And it's uh, a poem that is is written from the perspective of these wise men uh, that came to uh, see Jesus uh, after he had been born. And it talks about uh, the very hard journey that they had to go on as they were trying to find Jesus. But what it says in the very end is incredibly beautiful. Because what it says in the end is what they found at the end of that journey, was something that changed their lives forever. What they found at the end of that journey was something so powerful that they even saw their own deaths as a gift from God because of Jesus Christ, who has come as the one true king. Let's pray.